Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. This one for December of 2020. It is the last Horror and Lit Club of the year. Thank God. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, if if anyone else is is, is feeling it, but I, I feel like I got to slap myself awake almost every single day now. Um Right after I get out of bed, it does not feel like Christmas is in uh, is in two days. You'll actually be getting this on Christmas. I don't know if if anybody listens to this Christmas Day. Hey, I'm out here with you. I know we still got some essential workers out there. Um, this is one of the first uh, Christmases in a little while I get to spend with my family because me and my fiance are both off, so we get Christmas morning, um, and we're gonna go down and, and hang out with her family, which is gonna be great. But, um, which we're probably already doing that now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I spent a lot of years, most of, most of my adult working life, um, I didn't get to do Christmas on Christmas Day. You know, it was always a day after, a day before, the, the weekend prior, two or three months afterward. You know, I had the, I had the military and then... Um, I mean, you know, college, I guess, and even college, you know, I'd always did, I didn't always get to do Christmas because I was busy. I had a, I had an extremely packed college schedule. If you're not, if you're not in the money, 
when you go to college, you have to, you still have to have a job if you're an adult, uh, which I did. So, you know, I worked in bars and stuff. So, uh, yeah, actually, now that I think of it, <laughs> I still only got to do like two Christmases during, during college even. And that's when I was actually at home. And then after that, I worked in newspapers, which is uh, you have to work on major holidays, basically. Uh, one of the worst Christmases of my life uh, outside of the military was the one immediately after I graduated college. Well, actually, not immediately after. Immediately after. I, I graduated college on, like, December 13th of 2013. So 2014 Christmas, uh, which is the, the first Christmas as a, as a journalist. is one of the worst of my life. Uh, I worked at a small newspaper in uh, Williston, North Dakota, which I've probably mentioned to you guys a bunch of times. But um, I was the only person left at the paper. It was me and literally only me in the newsroom and basically that entire side of the building. All of the ad salespeople were off. Every single other person that worked in the newsroom and we had like fucking three people, maybe four working in the newsroom at that point. Every one of them was off except for me. I was like, I'll I'll do it. I'll stay behind and uh, do the paper. I don't have a family. I'm not married. I'm the only one that knows how to work half of the systems. And I'm the only one that knows how to use InDesign other than my editor-in-chief. So uh, I'll stay behind. I'll put together the paper. I did that for six days straight. I was the only person writing stories, taking pictures, and laying out the, uh, the newspaper for, I think, three or four days in a row, including Christmas Day. Um, and Christmas Day was the worst of those days because that's the day that everybody was off. At least there was a couple people in and out through the newsroom for some of the other two days. Um, or like I had like leftover copy. But I had to wake up at 4.30, 5.30 a.m. And this is in North Dakota in winter. So the sun, you wake up at 5.30 and it is midnight. It is Literally the concept of midnight. The sun doesn't come back up until around 11 a.m. or something ridiculous like that. It's far enough north and out on the plains where, like, the sun is only up and down around the uh, around the the solstice for, like, six hours or something absurd like that. And it's the opposite in, in summer. In summer, the sun goes down, like, finally goes down and it turns dark, you know, at, like, 11 at night. And then it comes right back up at 4. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I would have to get up at like 4.35, something like that. And I would get into the paper and put the paper together, which took like three or four hours. So I would just go in straight to work. And then I would start laying out pages, which anyone that works in design, basically I had to put together an entire, I can't remember how big our broadsheet was, but it's a standard broadsheet paper, a little smaller than, than the biggest broadsheets you'd run into. So standard newspaper for anybody that's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's the kind that unfolds. If you take one sheet, it's a big square with four different pages on it, folded in half. And so, you know, I'd have to do uh, all of those. And I think, dude, I think Christmas Day was like, well, Christmas Day is always a Christmas Day paper because everybody's going to be home reading the paper. And then once I get done with that, first four hours and it's the time where I normally come in to work, <laughs> you know, eight or nine. I've got to, I've got to put everything in. I've got to hope it's right because I've, I've crutch, I've crunched this. Normally the deadline's like 11, but I've got to go over to the, um, got to walk through West for, through North Dakota cold four blocks 
through like I, th- I think the temperature around that time is like negative 10 degrees and it's f- blistering snow four blocks um, because there's no point in even trying to drive because the roads haven't been hit yet. So you'll just be, you can barely even get to work. Uh, four blocks, go to the police station, go upstairs, do the morning brief with the cops, have them tell you what's happened, write all that down because you need all those briefs in the paper. It's like one of the most important things to put in the paper. Like don't let, don't, don't let true crime people in the podcast world convince you. I feel like some of them think that they're the, they invented true crime or like even popularized it, which is just fucking insane. It has been the selling point of every newspaper and, and local news station from the smallest, most insignificant uh, paper and, or station that you've never even heard of in fucking Anchorage, Alaska, all the way to the New York times crime sells blood moves paper. You know what I mean? That that's, that's, from the get-go, it's just weird that no one started doing it in podcasts until recently to get successful. But that is what people, people want that in their paper more than anything. And so you got to go talk to the cops and get the blotter because they don't release it. It's fucking, it's, it's the 19 fucking 70s up there. Until I complained about it, I think. This probably already in the process, but I, I needed records and I whined about it. And so they had to start updating their record system because it was uh, typed out on little note cards like the fucking Dewey Decimal System, like people's entire criminal records in that area, typed out on note cards and filed away in these big sliding cabinets, the cabinet thing, the whole structure was the size of it, so it was an entire wall. (laughs) And this was 2014, like I said. I got to write all that out. I actually had to try to get those in the paper, right? Because paper doesn't go out until 11. That's why I had to run up there. So get those in the paper, some pictures, that I can just drag out of the ether for to to like illuminate these. So like I'm getting online and like taking Google Maps pictures of where the crimes happened, just so there's something to like illustrate this. Like this is the place, and this is a map where it happened. Which people, by the way, if you're in the newspaper industry and you're not on this yet, people fucking love pictures of maps. They fucking love them. It's always much better to have a picture of like a crime scene or a car or whatever, but maps, people fucking love that shit. If you can get a tiny little map in there, motherfuckers will go ape shit because once they see the map, they want to look up the map for themselves and then they can say like, oh no, Dina, did you know exactly 14 minutes worth of driving down the road, somebody was shot from your house? Or somebody was shot 15 minutes down the road from your house. They love it. But, you know, I get all that together. That's, a, that's by 11. And then I have to do, like, a normal day's worth of reporting and catch up on all of these stories. So, and then I'm in there until 6 or so, um, writing stuff, going out, covering shit. Christmas Day, I had to run around and take pictures of, I can't even remember. Like, I'm literally, like, my mind has blocked it off. But I had to go around all day. After I finished the Christmas Day picture or paper to do um, all sorts of reporting in town on like Christmas Day events because, you know, it's like fucking the only thing that's happening. It's Wilson, North Dakota. I can't remember what the hell it was, but it was probably something irritating. Get finished with that. Go back. Write those stories. Process the photos. Put it all online. And then you're done by like, yeah, 6.30, 7 o'clock. Go home. Drink 
12 strong-ass IPA beers, anesthetize myself, (laughs) eat like a pizza, like a whole pizza, drink 12 beers, go to sleep, wake up again at like 4 o'clock. It was not something I would recommend as a career choice to anybody. But what I'm trying to say is, uh, to round that out, all of the people that are out there right now, and if you're in your car listening to this, and you're an essential worker, just grinding, dude. You're just hitting that grind, man. You're out there delivering packages, checking fucking electricity, fire hygienists, doing emergency calls for whatever. My nurses, my doctors, all my all my uh, miscreant brothers and sisters in the in the journalism industry. You 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 sad remnants of a once great world. Uh, my heart goes out to you. This one's this one's on you. Pretend I just opened a beer. Get good good on you. Get back. Get back. Pour some whiskey in your eggnog and just and just let let that let that stress slide off you when you get back. Oh man. But uh today we're gonna be talking about our, our monthly recommendations for the month of December. 2020, which are Scoob and Shag, uh, which is a super bizarre uh, webcomic that I'm really excited to um, talk about, and uh, the Blair Witch video game um, from a few years back, and I will also be talking about that. But before we get all into all that, I, I got to talk about the thing that's like at the topmost part of my mind because I've been thinking about it nonstop. I've been playing it. Stop. <laughs> occasionally, I've been playing it occasionally. And that's the uh, the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, which I'm pretty sure even like if you don't play video games, you might have heard about it right now because it's the biggest. I think it's quite literally the biggest video game controversy of my lifetime that was not manufactured by uh, by by fucking Hillary Clinton and 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 uh, oh, what was that? What was that other guy from back in the day? I think his name was Jeff something. <laughs> These are uh, those politicians that would get uh basically once somebody tried started started figuring out like hey, you know maybe we uh maybe we need to like have a little bit more social consciousness, and and start addressing some of these problems. They're like hey yeah but what about video games? <laughs> I can't believe somebody have you seen Doom? Do you guys know how fucking pissed off people were about Doom when it came out? Back in what like ninety eight. That, that doom was like uh, the end of the world. All the kids are going to start just fucking columbining left and right because of doom. And now if you're like, oh, doom, what? It's like uh, looking back in the 1920s or the 1910s, I guess, and like uh, watching people getting mad about a girl showing her ankles. We're like, oh, <laughs> it's scandalo. Uh, but, but 2077, I think the, the cool thing about it is, um, which is not a, a great cool thing, is that it's actually a deserved controversy it's not manufactured for once in the video game industry and it's very clear cut if you don't if you don't know exactly what i'm talking about cyberpunk 2077 is a uh, massively open world game in the vein of uh, grand theft auto or or more more appropriately uh, the witcher 3 wild hunt which was made by the same studio cd project red um, cyberpunk was released just a couple weeks ago here in 2020 
And uh, the, the point of the game is that you're in a futuristic version of, I think, Los Angeles, because they say they're in California. It's on the coast. It's called Night City, but it's, it's probably fucking Los Angeles. Or, I don't know, Sacramento? San Diego? Ew, ew, ew. Who, who, who puts a video game there? It's in Pendleton. <laughs> but uh, the game is pretty much bog standard for those sort of games. You can run around, you can look at stuff, you can drive cars. The, the, the controversy with the game, there's a few surrounding it. The others are manufactured and they're irritating. I'll, I'll talk about them a little bit, uh, but I, even I don't give them the time of day. Uh, but the main controversy is that the game was quote-unquote rushed, but literally it was just released with a lot of bugs. And uh, just as a, as, a, as a note, all games... All games, every game ever released has bugs, which I think people don't understand because there's a lot of normies that want to play this game. <laughs> people that are not from the uh, world of, of playing games on release dates that are not from AAA studios. I don't consider CD Projekt Red, a AAA, I would say it's like a, an A studio or a AA studio, but they are still, um, they're, they're, first off, they're Polish, making a game that's being wide released in the English language, which has its own difficulties, I'm pretty sure for them that I'll get into later, but uh, their, their first games were, you know, the, the Witcher games, this, this, that's what they're known for, and Witcher 3 is pretty much one of the best games ever released that's like this a massively open world game with multiple quests quest lines and a lot of vibrant cities and and npcs and it's a really really lived in and interesting world there's a lot of different stuff to do in the witcher universe that's that's really fun there's a lot of uh, detective type stuff that you do you go hunting you collect stuff you go on on big treasure hunts and, and, and delves down into the earth. And um, in, 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 a, in a through line throughout all of that is a very large and, and grandiose plot that you can choose to really involve yourself in or conversely entirely ignore. And the world is uh, pockmarked with little random stuff, um, little treats, and random encounters and like just interesting asides that are that are very fun. I can't think of one offhand that I I, I particularly enjoy, um, but there's one I always remember that I always somehow managed to fall into it. And you can kind of just you 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 explore the world and there's a lot of little basicy kind of looking enemies or fish zombies. I don't know how to describe them. They're, they're called drowners and there's neckers and uh, cart. I can't even say the word right. Necromorphs, I think. Necrophage, necrophages. I don't know. They eat dead things, and they live in the ground. Anyway, they're 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 all pretty basic enemies, and they're 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 really simple looking. And then you kind of like fall into this one area. You're just like, oh, okay, that's like was that like a ban- an abandoned church? There's not much left of it. It's just kind of like the skeleton of something that could be vaguely church like. And you go into the basement, and there's like a fucking like a devil in it, like a like an actual like satan looking devil with little horns and stuff and he's a big fat and uh you're supposed to run into him because of a quest that people sent but i end up talking to him just because i found him down there 
And I end up talking to him and I convince him to be a more benevolent person to these, these people. And it, it kind of introduces you to an overall through line through the Witcher, which is like great because the Witcher has a uh, sort of morality to it that was inspired by the, the person that, that wrote it, whose name is, is Polish and I can't pronounce it, but he wrote the Witcher and it's really about, you know, giving people and, and creatures uh, a second glance, even if they're, they're particularly frightening there might be more humanity in, in, in strange things than in things that you consider beautiful and, and human. And in this case, this guy looks like the fucking devil. And he's kind of a dick, but uh, he's, he's, he ends up being like kind of a nice guy once you talk to him, which is cool. In, in, in Cyberpunk 2077, they tried to do that sort of stuff and just kind of failed. It, it feels like they overreached in almost every direction possible. And the thing is, is there's not that much to do in the game. I've been playing it now. I'm about 30 hours in just knocking off little four hour sections and stuff here and there, basically playing when I get off work at night. And it's just, uh, it's just not great. It's not bad. It's fun. It looks good. There's areas that you can tell that the uh, development team spent a lot more time on than, than others, but there is definitely a different feeling about this game than I get from when I play like Witcher 3. Like I, Witcher 3 was so good that when I was playing through it the first time, I was already thinking about what I would do if I played through it a second time, and I'm not feeling that about Cyberpunk. I don't think I'm going to do multiple playthroughs of it. I might... The bugs, though, is the, is the big thing. And it was released early under some pretty, a pretty great deal of pressure from the, the fan base. People had this uh, expectation that the game was kind of just being, like, overly polished, I guess. Uh, and it was originally supposed to be released, I think, almost a year ago. And uh, CJ, CJ Pro, CD Project Red kept saying over and over again, it's not ready. It is not ready. Uh, we're going to push it back. We're going to push it back. And people had been doing pre-orders and stuff. So, like, they feel like they own the game. The pre-order concept is based in the, like, GameStop era you know, or, or of game purchasing. I don't think it should be gotten rid of, but I think it should be readjusted what people's expectations of for pre-ordering games are in the modern era. I think it should be more understood that it's like a Kickstarter or something. And I think people need to get away from the, uh, this major release strategy because it's, it, it really only works for games that are so simple that they can't go wrong. And then they're just over polished, which in my mind is games like uh, the, just the yearly shooters that come from, EA, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever uh, Call of Duty clone is getting shit out in, in, in early to mid-November. That's when they always pop, that's when they always pop those, you know, and, and, and there's going to be other, some other prestige shooter that comes out every three years. You know, you're going to have your, your, your once in a, in an every once in a while thing, like a, a new, a battlefield that's actually good. <laughs> Something like Rainbow Six Siege that drops. It's always sort of like a shooter. 
and then you also have whatever whatever big game of year is going to come out. So whatever Rockstar is going to release, Red Dead Redemption, something or other, Grand Theft Auto, something or other, it all comes out around those times. The point is that the, the game feels rushed now, and, and I feel like they should have just pushed it back another year because it ended up kind of blowing up in their face. I, I don't know if there was some sort of fiduciary responsibility they were under to release in November. Um, ever since I turned the game on, there has been non-stop upgrades to it, updates. Uh, huge ones, too. M- most games get a few patches. Uh, they're, they're called day one patches or, or release patches, um, month one patches, whatever, that address a lot of stuff that people will start noticing once the game's played in mass. If you don't know about how video games are created, there is a process called QA, which is quality assurance, which is playtesting. And you have uh, hundreds sometimes, maybe even like a thousand. A lot of indie games have five or ten people or less. And you just play the game and you try to break different mechanics of it. So you, you will spend all day running along walls. You'll just sit there with your controller, run all along the walls. And if you notice a bug, you'll write down what happened. You'll take a video of it, whatever they want you to do. And you'll send that in. You create a, a, a work order. And then sometimes they'll come back and they'll try to tell you how to replicate it. Could you replicate it? Like, yeah, I did it like a bunch of different times. And then they'll, they'll fix it. They will patch it like a hole in a ship. They patch it. So this game, well, when, when most games come out, the increase, if it's a good and it's a, a successful game, you know, your player base will shoot up. And in the case of this game, I think there's a million people, like a, literally like a million people playing on day one of launch. And so now you have 1 million people playtesting your game for you, which is why some games are released in what they call a beta state, which is, I think, what they should have done. They should have said, that, like, hey, this is going to be the beta release, or they, 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 they shouldn't have overextended themselves prior to release to say that they could put out a finished product. There's a lot of games online that play in beta, it's it's especially common on PC, but even um, Fortnite, I think, is still technically a, a beta game. PUBG was in beta. That's Player Unknown's Battlegrounds was in beta for years. I think it might even still be in beta because it's still not a, a up to the standards of an alpha release, and they don't have enough people to work on it, or there's just so much work to be done. That, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. This is a game that's going to have a lot of bugs in it. And you kind of play at your own risk. This is the best product we can offer. And then you can still sell the game at full price if you want. People can complain about it. People can bitch about it. But the thing is, is you put the bugs on the table before money changes hands. Which kind of puts anybody in it that wants to play the game in a position where they're like, well, this game's a buggy piece of shit. Like, yeah, we said that up front. So if you want the experience and you want to experience it with your friends and you want to talk about it on the internet, this is the experience that you get. Take it or leave it. It costs $60. And people can say, "Eh, I'm not paying $60 for that. Or they can say they will. Um, I play a game called Escape from Tarkov, which has been in beta for five years now. And it operates (laughs) considerably better than Cyberpunk 2077, but it is not up to the standards of its peers in the shooter genre. There's a lot of 
issues I won't go into that are a little technical but are very irritating for people that play a lot of shooter games on the internet. Mostly, you can't hit what you shoot at because it exists in a different dimension. But Cyberpunk 2077 would have definitely benefited from something like that, I believe. And it, the problems with it have been exacerbated by a public that is much broader than the typical gaming public. I guarantee you that most of the people that are playing Cyberpunk, not the ones that are listening, not you necessarily, but most of the people that are playing Cyberpunk and complaining kind of ad nauseum about it and like whining about it enough that they want their money back have not played games like Witcher 3 or or even the earliest iterations of these games in a, in a, in a modern sort of like 3D, massively open, pre-constructed world. Things like Morrowind. Uh, Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind is one of my favorite video games ever. I literally cannot recommend it to you because it is probably too much game for most people to handle. That is not a brag that is literally a warning. <laughs> I'll get into it in a second. But Morrowind uh, has all sorts of bugs and glitches, and it would hard crash all the time. I think that's the most frustrating thing about Cyberpunk 2077 is it hard crashes constantly. Day one, I, I finished the, the tutorial section, walked out into the open world for the first time, and immediately hard crashed. And then from there, I hard crashed once every half hour for the rest of the like six or seven hours that I played it. It was like a Saturday and I had the day off. Those are very, very frustrating. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't not expect that from those kind of games. They irritate me. I'm not going to say that. They don't. But it's not something that I don't expect from a game like that, especially a new game. I prefer it when it doesn't happen and it is notches off. But it's not like a game-breaking experience for me. I just suck it up and turn the fucking game back on. I think one of the biggest problems with this is this kind of normies. And what I mean by that are people that are really casually into video games. Even if they don't know that they are, they don't think they are. They're pretty casually into video games. They're definitely not playing stuff that's outside of major release cycles or, or, or picking up like brand new games or, or buying stuff that's like weird as shit off of Steam. These are people that play mostly console release titles, mostly yearly console release titles, and mostly titles that are, are AAA, fully quality assurance tested, ready, ready for public consumption by people that are just trying to like, I just want to play a game, man. Everybody's been talking. Keanu Reeves is in this game, man. I heard you can have sex in a computer, man. I just wanna, I just wanna get in this game, man. I just wanna get in this game. I wanna play this game. I gotta smoke a little weed, and you know, take my kid to preschool, and then I'm gonna play this game, man. It's my day. Hey, chill, dude. All right, cool. But the expectations for those people is just that I get a product, and the product entertains me, and then it goes away. It's the same kind of folks that are just like, I just want to watch Marvel movies, dude. I know what to expect, and then I get what I expect out of it. I don't want any surprises. For me, and for honestly a lot of the people I think that actually play a lot of these games, you know, you play the original. If you played the original Fallout 3 when it came out, it hard crashed about as much as this game. 
and, and that was on Xbox 360, and that was a quote-unquote AAA release from Bethesda. That game had so many gnarly-ass bugs. Whole quests would be destroyed. People would fly into the air. People would explode. I had a companion, a person that follows you around in that game. You can recruit them, and they'll, they'll follow you around. They exploded. I don't know why. And then for the rest of the game, they were just a bloody jaw and two eyes floating around in the air behind me with a gun floating in the air in front of them shooting shit. It was the best experience ever. Like, just because there's bugs in a game doesn't mean it's bad. Hard crashes always suck, but most of the bugs that I've encountered in Cyberpunk really aren't game-breaking for me or even that bothersome. What bugs me about Cyberpunk, and this should be us getting into the wrap-up phase of this if you're sick of Cyberpunk, is that the game really does not feel fleshed out. There's a lot of moments, and, and, and if you've played the game, I challenge you to check this out. There are a lot of moments where you feel alone in the city. The city feels empty. You go out onto a, a street corner, you run out in, uh, in, into a building, and there's kind of just nothing going on. There's like a little bit of idle chatter and stuff, but when you look into the distance, the cars that are moving on the ground are super fake. There, there's a thing where they didn't program in anything past the draw distance of like X amount. Draw distance is literally the distance at which the computer will draw in certain artifacts. In this case, you know, the people and stuff. So it's a game with sniper rifles where you can't shoot anything past like 200 meters, which was a problem with Far Cry 5. I like to play these games where I, I sneak around and I shoot people from really far away because that's fun to me. That's, how, that's what I enjoy. Skyrim, I play completely silent the entire time. And it's, it's a blast. You sneak around and you shoot people in the head with arrows. And then they got 15 arrows sticking out of their face. And it lets me, it lets me break, the, break the game progression, which is always my favorite thing to do in any game. That's just a personal thing for me. And in this game, you can't shoot people from really far away with these gigantic sniper rifles that you have. I mean quote-unquote far away, like 200 meters, but it's a goddamn sniper rifle. I want to shoot people from 1,000 meters away. A really difficult shot, boom, and then you see a little head just pop. That's, that's, that's what I enjoy, and you can't really do it. And that's where we started getting the game doesn't feel fleshed out. The skills in the game that you can learn are kind of not great. There's like 15 skill trees that you have to click through that are all part of these five skills. And some of the, the things have like, or, or they have, they're perk points. It's already, it's already confusing to you. It's confusing to me because it doesn't really make a lot of sense in the context of the game. There's, there's like physical strength and then there's how you keep your cool. So like stealth and charisma mod, like checks are all part of the same thing. But then that has some, random thing called what is it cold blood that is a passive perk that gets added to you every time you get a kill but it never shows you or if it does show you i haven't seen it really activate when you get it 
Like it gives you like these 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 bonuses and stuff, but it's not very obvious on the screen that you're getting the bonuses. The real problem is that some of the perks don't do anything valuable. Weapons in the game, you can only hold three weapons at a time and you cycle between them. Melee weapons are part of that too. So, you know, if you want to have a knife, you can have a knife. Well, there's a skill that's throw your knife, right? And it only works for knives. And it, and it has to say knife. Like it doesn't always work for like a kukri. It's a knife that's curved so that it's easier to cut stuff with and, and toss at people. You can throw it at motherfuckers, <laughs> but you can't throw them for no real reason. And because of the way that the game's mechanics work, if you throw your knife at somebody, you either have to go pick it back up, which might not be tangible, or you have to equip another knife, which means you have to go into your inventory, select through your knives, and pick it. This is a, a game where your weapons scale with level, so every weapon you pick up is just another version of the same thing from 20 levels back or 20 levels ahead with different numbers attached to it. So if you throw your 1,094 damage knife, then you know, you've, you, you've, you've thrown that and it's gone. <laughs> and then you have to equip another one, so you might have one that's only like 400 damage. And sometimes things just disappear because the game's, game's a little buggy. And I think the worst thing about the game is the writing. The writing is terrible. So bad. It's so bad. Not the narrative construction aspect of the writing. Uh, the, the actual like, hey, this, this is happening. You know, if I had a, if you, narrative construction being if I had to break down exactly what happens, you know. Johnny goes to the bar, Johnny gets drunk, Johnny comes home, that's the story, right? And then how you tell it is, is the, the storytelling. I mean, literally the writing, <laughs> the dialogue. Almost every word that's on screen looks like, I think it's translations from Polish that don't work right with English syntax. It made more sense because I can tell, I know that it's CD Projekt Red writing because the people talk the same way as in The Witcher. And it makes sense in The Witcher because The Witcher takes place in like crazy medieval fantasy Poland. So people talk weird. That's fine. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a, a common thing is that people won't use an article when in sentences. They won't use, they won't use indefinite or, or definite articles. So, you know, I'm going to the store. They'll say, like, going to the store, which it can work in, a, in English, but it's not, how you, it's, it's, it's not how you fucking write dialogue in English. And it's definitely not the evolution that English would take in, in just 56 years. And they're talking like that in 2020 anyway, because there's flashbacks to literally this year in that show. And it's so frustrating and i think it might just be me but i can hear the voice actors saying the lines half the time and i can tell that they don't know how to say the lines right because they weren't written in real like a good english like competent english so they don't know how to like articulate the sentences out and that kind of is a small a small grain of sand that snowballs throughout everything so you have these really important character scenes and it's just this kind of like chewy clunky not great dialogue between people and you know i think i can forgive it whatever i can forgive a lot but you do get to a point in cyberpunk 2077 where you are forgiving a whole lot constantly I think one of the one things that I think everybody should forgive and that it confuses me that I said I would talk about earlier is the one of the most contrived and, and really very confusing controversies is that this game is somehow transphobic, which makes no fucking sense to me at all. It has a character creation system that is literally just like, what genitalia do you want? And what do, your, what do you want your base physical features to look like? And what do you want your voice sound to like? Voice to sound like, which literally, those combinations can let make you look like almost fucking anyone on earth. You know what I'm saying? You can be a trans person. One of the main NPCs, who is a a, a huge driving story point, is a trans woman trying to avenge her husband through violence in street races, and she's great. Um, and, and you don't even like it, her being trans doesn't even come up until you know her really personally. And she kind of tells you that like shortly after she transitioned, she got married and that's it. There's other hints that she might, or at least has a connection to the trans community. And that she's got a big trans pride bumper sticker on the back of her car. So that's like, that's, that's fucking representation as, as far as I know. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm a cis dude. I have, I have spoken out of turn. Lay hands upon me. 
and put my face into the dirt where it belongs if it must be done. But I, I don't I don't see any problem with that. Some of the complaints that I've seen that are really reaching are that there's this uh, like trans fetishization, which is like a problem in the real world that trans people go through on a very personal level where some of the relationships that they can get into aren't really based around them as a person, but them as like an object of sexual attraction. You know, they get objectified for their trans body and people's fetishization of that, which is bad. Yes. On a personal level, that's, that's, that's awful. Where, where, where people are trying to get upset about it in the game is that in, in seedy exploitative horror house areas, there's advertisements for uh, gross exploitative pornography that is uh, it uses like uncouth language in regards to trans people, not like actively transphobic, but like, you know, trans fetishistic. But it's even the people that live in that world that could be offended by that would be offended by that. No one's like going around like this is great. It's like a fucking cum-stained poster on a fucking greasy wall in a back alley. <laughs> this, this, is not, this is not the height of the belief systems in this dystopian future nightmare world. I, I, I personally, I, I think anybody that thinks that that is uh, actively trying to be offensive or even being offensive in an ignorant way is, is crazy. The last interesting controversy about it which I, I, don't, I don't think is a controversy, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and risk getting fucking slapped over this. So, since I was born, literally, the first thing that comes up every time you turn on a video game is, hey, if you have photosensitivity issues or a history of seizures, do not play this video game. Video games contain flashing lights, and sounds that can exacerbate or cause seizures in some individuals proceed at your own risk. I don't know if that's a direct quote or not, but I've seen it so many times. I know the language and I know the warning because it's always up there for a while too. You're like, God, can I skip through this? I don't get seizures. Somebody played this game and got a seizure and complained about it. I, I, don't, I don't understand you would do that. I get it that you don't like being uh, left out of something that sucks. But, you know, I had a friend in the Marine Corps who uh, was just not allowed to have peanut butter. I mean, every time he uh, got a MRE with peanut butter in it, he had to give the whole MRE away and trade it to somebody because he had a peanut allergy. And if he got exposed to any sort of nuts, well, he had a nut allergy, but the peanut, uh, I guess the peanut is the strongest of the nuts. It would fucking kill him. It sucks. But you can't fuck with the peanuts. If you have an allergy to light sensitivity, don't play a game that is all flashing lights. And like the big complaint was that there's a a thing that gets put on people's heads during this. And it's a, a flashing strobing deal, right? You put it on your head and it goes tick, 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 tick. Uh, apparently that's the it looks the same as a device that is used to cause seizures in in people intentionally for therapeutic reasons like uh, as a diagnostic tool 
which I didn't know because I don't get seizures from stuff. I don't. I, I would not have been allowed in the military. If you think flashing lights in a video game is bad, try shooting a machine gun in the dark. That will just give you a headache for life. <laughs> that ever goes away. Um, and, and so, like, I feel like if you see that, the person literally said, I, I saw them putting on this thing, and it looked just like the thing that gives me seizures. And I put it on my head, and it turned on, and it gave me a seizure. Well, fuck. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. What did you think would happen? I, there is a certain level of self-care that is necessary for everybody. You know what I'm saying? I, I like fireworks and shooting them off. It's fun to me. But if other people are shooting fireworks off outside, it will trigger the fuck out of my PTSD, dude. I have a horrible, horrible, horrible exaggerated startle reflex. And I don't mean I just get startled. My fucking blood pressure will skyrocket. I'll get anxiety. I'll literally like start like shaking and stuff. I was literally shaking. Uh, it, it, it sucks, you know, it, it, it sucks. And it, it happens. It's completely out of my control. My brain's fight or flight reflex just completely freaks out. And just dumps chemicals into my entire endocrine system. Or is it the endocrine system? Into my entire nervous system. And just freaks me out for seconds, minutes, sometimes an hour. And usually that has a lasting effect that makes it so that I don't have, uh, or I, I can have nightmares and stuff, which means I don't get a good night of sleep. Obviously, that's not a problem almost all year round. You know, stuff happens. And, you know, even somebody, dropping a big piece of wood on the ground and it goes crack and you know I don't see it coming if I don't see it coming fucks me up but you know July 4th is always there and it comes around and people shoot off fireworks all around the 4th of July and it fucking sucks for me but I'm not going to tell people to modify their very 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 common behavior for something that I can easily avoid and should be avoiding on my own. On the 4th of July, I go in, I put headphones on, and I play video games. Or, 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 I, or I watch movies, or I, or I get myself nice and anesthetized with some bourbon or some beer. And I'm good. I'm not saying you have to retreat from the world because of stuff, but you, you should understand that if you have a fucking medical condition that can get exacerbated and cause an extraordinary reaction... And somebody has warned you that this reaction can happen. And you persisted and went in. When you finally get fucking hit by it, it is kind of fucked up that you think anyone's at fault but yourself. Every sign was there. They gave you every warning. And above all, it's not even a kind of game where you can expect the lighting to be common. It's, it's literally a neon hellscape full of flashing lights. I don't know what causes these seizures. I'm not an expert in it. But uh, I know when I was younger, my little sister had one random seizure as a kid. She, she just went down. Never got another seizure again, as far as I know. But they made her avoid stuff like that. 
you know, and it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but dude, it's a fucking major medical condition that you need to take responsibility for taking care of. I, I, if, a, if a diabetic person goes and just starts downing tons of sugar without, you know, using their insulin or their medicine, I, I, that's on them. <laughs> that's an adult decision that you made to expose yourself to something. It is not in any way, shape, or form something that the company should be, uh, should be blamed for. It didn't even come out of nowhere. You have, I've seen the, 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 the moment. There's two or three of them in the game. The whole putting the halo thing on, you can see what it is for like four minutes before they put it on the person's head. It's, it's insane to me. Like, I am all for making spaces accessible. I hate it when people feel left out. And if it's something that you can fix easily, you know, like wheelchair ramps, moving the crossbar from between double doors, ensuring a few seats are, are missing from, from certain areas, making sure Braille is up so that blind people can see, making sure there's good auditory cues at crosswalks so that, you know, public spaces are available to people. I'm 100% behind that. I think in a lot of cases, we don't do enough in certain areas, especially if you get outside of major cities, you'll see like how crazy it gets for people that are, are, are differently abled in, in whatever respect. Sometimes it's just, just not even knowing how to deal with somebody that is differently abled. And, and you know, that sucks. That sucks for them. And I, I want to try to fix that. But this is very specifically like a thing you were warned away from, you know. We, <laughs> we have all kinds of different cookies, you know, for our nut allergy friends. If you can't eat the macadamia nut cookie, try one of the other ones. Avoid the macadamia nut cookie. But we're not going to stop making fucking macadamia nut cookies. And if you go to a goddamn bakery that says we have fucking, we produce this on equipment that has nuts and, and dairy on it, like all of those warnings do. And you eat that shit and you go down because you, you get an anaphylactic shock. That is on you every time. I, I, I make no, I make, I give no quarter to that. If they gave you every warning. Somebody sneaks a macadamia nut cookie into your bag. They're, they're, they're a fucking attempted murder. But in any other case, fuck off. Just fuck off. I think with that, I'm going to switch to talking about something I've been watching recently that I absolutely love. And that is... The show Fargo, man, it's one of those, I don't know where it came from. At some point in the mid, early to mid 2000s, people started remaking shows based on really successful movie properties from the, the, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. And one of those, you know, is Fargo. And in my mind, Fargo had nothing more to offer. It's such a good story. If you've never seen the movie Fargo, I highly suggest it. It is, first off, fucking hilarious. And uh, second, it's just like a good movie. Uh, it's a good character study of many characters at once. The performances are amazing. And uh, some of the lines just are, 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 are incredible. It's a Coen Brothers film. It's from back in the dizzy. You should absolutely check it out. But, but just like Hannibal and 
Bates Motel Fargo, man, came out of nowhere. And I was like, are they going to make a show about Fargo? I thought it was just going to be an irritating slice of life thing in North Dakota. And the thing is, it is kind of a slice of life deal. But oh my God, this is so much more. The show is an anthology. Uh, so it's a seasonal anthology. Every season is a different story uh, with some, some small overlap. I can, I can tell you that without spoiling anything. The first season alone is as good as any movie I've seen recently. It's just amazing. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into any of it because I don't know how I can even approach talking about it without giving spoilers because sometimes even people's names are spoilers in this show, but it's, it's absolutely well-crafted and you should, you should, you should seriously check it out. I feel like I've talked too much around about cyberpunk 2077. So this episode's already running long. I just had so many thoughts in my mind about that stupid game. Speaking of stupid games, let's just get right into the recommendations for this month. Our first recommendation is the Blair Witch video game. It's called Blair Witch, parentheses, video game. Uh, Developed by Bloober Team, who I've never heard of. Published by Lionsgate Games. It's based on the Blair Witch series. And it came out on Xbox and Microsoft back in mid-2019. The game is described as a uh, psychological survival horror game. It is... So hard to really describe. It's kind of a mix of Firewatch and Alan Wake, which I've read through their through their description of the game and their inspirations, and those are two of them on there. If you've never played Firewatch, it is a game that is a walking simulator that is very, very engaging if you don't mind story and uh, not having a gun to shoot. In Blair Witch, just like Firewatch, Uh, You kind of just run around the woods looking for clues and uh, trying to progress the story. And the Blair Witch game is kind of great for that. It's not a great, great game. You know, it's not not life-changing. It's not going to be in anybody's top 10 lists of all time. But as far as like a little recommendation, a little thing that you can try, I think the game total costs like five or six bucks. And it's very frequently free. I think it is actually free on the uh, Xbox Game Pass. So if you have the Xbox Game Pass, it's a game that you can just get and play. Game Pass is like a $5 subscription thing, if you don't know what that is. Uh, The game follows some dude. (laughs) His name is apparently Ellis Lynch. I can't even remember that. And uh, he has, it's him and his dog. And he's got a uh, camcorder. And is just basically filming himself walking around. The camcorder can turn to infrared. He's got a flashlight. And without getting too, too much in it, the entire point of the game is that he's gone back into the woods to find a boy. A boy has gone missing, a young boy. He's one of many kids that have gone missing in this area. And there's strong suggestions that there is a killer on the loose. The plot is really not great. I'll, I'll just, I'll get that out of the way. It's not particularly compelling. It was really just a, a motivating factor to drive you from set piece to set piece and then back to the main kind of curly cue area. 
the, the game operates is basically through a main area that you kind of walk back into constantly that is frequently changing. And then you progress by finding your way out of that area into little set piece areas that you make your way through. And then eventually you, you return back to that area and there's collectibles to find along the way. There's little monsters in the darkness and you've got to find, I, I believe you have to find batteries or something like that to keep your flashlight going so that you can scare stuff away. That might just be Alan Wake. Uh, the, the the cool thing, the reason why this is a recommendation, I know I, I'm not remembering too, too much about it, but the reason this is a recommendation is because the scares in it are are pretty intense. And I, I don't know exactly how they pull it off, but if I had to guess why I was most afraid is it's really good at building tension. You First off, you're never really confident in the game. You can't go into any area sure that you'll survive because you have plenty ammo or, or, or plenty of health. Those, those sort of systems don't really, really exist in the game. You kind of have to just figure out what you're supposed to do and, and, and survive. You've got your flashlight. You can shine your flashlight on things to kind of blow them up and make them go away. And uh, you have a little sanity meter, and if your sanity meter goes down, you die. And if you get attacked the wrong way, you die. But I think the best thing that the game does is it really establishes its mechanics. There's certain things that appear at certain times. I won't spoil anything talking about the mechanics too much and how they get twisted up. Could ruin a few scares for you or tell you how to get through a certain area, even telling you that mechanics can help you get through a certain areas. Could be a, a little ruinous, but I don't think so. You have to work with your dog. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's very much a, a thing that I like in video games where they give you a problem and then they give you the tool to overcome that problem and then you get comfortable with the tool and they take it away or they, they make it dangerous to use, I should say. Uh, and they do this in a very, very broad mix of ways. So you're, you're always afraid that you can die because you can always kind of die. And when you die, it's jump scare. Bah! Wah, fuck. So... There's a physical reason to succeed in the game. You know, if you, uh, if you get jump scared too hard, it, it, it scares. It's a very uncomfortable feeling in your own real body. And so that kind of creates the impetus to, to perform correctly in the game and not, not, not die, not get scared to death, which I like. I think the entire game took five hours to play through. It is, it is a sneeze there's almost nothing to it. Like I said, uh, <laughs> there's not really much in the way of plot. There's a lot of story, not a lot of plot. You're one of those pretty typical psychological horror protagonists that seems like an okay guy. He was a damn good cop. But then you, you, you get a little bit more into his, uh, into his backstory and you start saying, oh, there's, there's, maybe he's a little... Maybe he's a little darker than I originally expected. You know, you have one of those moments, which is, it is what it is. You have a dog with you, and your dog is in peril. If you play this game, and you do not do everything you can to save and protect that goodest boy, you are an animal, and you deserve to be drowned in a bucket. That said, um, you should absolutely check out Blair Witch. It's, it's a trip. I, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. You don't have to spend a lot of money on it either, so you won't be disappointed in the short play time. If you have it on Xbox Game Pass, you don't spend any money for it all, so it's really just a good way 
to spend uh, an, an afternoon. If you're the kind of people that play video games together as a couple, you know, you sit down with your boyfriend, you sit down with your girlfriend, and you just want to play through a game that's kind of pretty slow paced in general. It's not, it's not something where you have to have super quick reflexes on. It will, it will require some camera work and stuff, but you don't have to worry about, you know, cracking off six headshots in rapid succession in order to survive a gunfight. It's, it's, it's much more decision-based. I think this is a really good way to spend, you know, an afternoon, grab a couple drinks, put this on, and, uh, and really just treat it like a, like a double feature movie and, and have fun. Have fun with it. Turn it off if you get bored. I, 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 think, I think you'll enjoy it. Blair Witch, links to it, uh, as always, down somewhere in the description. Our second recommendation for December is the Webtoon Scoob and Shag, which is a absolutely bizarre, not even reimagining, but just reappropriation of the characters of, of Scooby and Shag from the much-beloved Hanna-Barbera children's cartoon, Scooby-Doo, what's new Scooby-Doo? And it is almost impossible to describe this thing. But basically... It starts off as a gag comic. It was the first page, quote unquote, was released August 3rd, 2018. And it's up to uh, a few hundred pages, I think now, or I don't know how you would really say it. There's at least 111 issues, but each issue has a bunch of pages, especially towards the end. If when you start this, you'll be like, okay, so this is a dumb gag comic. And then the deeper you get into it, it turns into a pretty intense and off-putting horror comic and then either devolves or evolves into something appropriating JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I really don't know how to categorize this. There is no box that this exists in. I think it's a matter of time before the various... Companies that own the intellectual properties in this comic get upset and start just sending cease and desist orders. 37.3 million people have seen this, or it's at least gotten 37.3 million views. Some of those, many of those obviously are from me. It's an extremely popular, but not well-known thing. And so as you get deeper into it, more and more cartoons are introduced from mostly the 1990s and anybody that was watching cartoons in the 1990s on Saturday morning will be familiar with almost everything that's in here. You have characters ranging from Hey Arnold, Helga Pataki, Gerald from that, Courage the Cowardly Dog is in it, obviously Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, Bugs Bunny's in it, along with other major cartoon people. You know, if you were watching Looney Tunes, and then, you know, maybe some Toonami after school, you'll, you'll recognize almost everybody that's in here. And it's impossible to really get into the plot because it only solidified within the last year. I think I picked this up about a year ago, which is when I, when I originally decided to recommend this. It was still like a horror comic, and then it evolved from there. And I, I can't not recommend it because it is an utterly, utterly bizarre thing. It is so Fucking strange, but I, I think you should check it out. I, I don't 
really know how to better describe it. It's very well drawn. It's all in black and white, basically, until some of the later chapters, small amounts of color are introduced. But just for some of the uh, scary imagery, especially in the earlier comics, it's just a wonderful, a wonderful recommendation. I think I'm going to leave our recommendations for the month there. So going forward with the Horror and Lit Club, I have found that it's kind of hard for me to make recommendations recently because I don't have a lot of time outside of the podcast anymore. The the podcast has taken off or at least requires so much of me now that I don't have a lot of time to just sit down and enjoy stuff. And I was getting into a bad position earlier this summer where I was kind of forcing myself through things and I prefer to leave a lot of my hobbies as enjoyable things. So going forward, I think the horror and lit club is going to be more based around still recommendations, but not necessarily one specific horror, one specific literature recommendation. I think I'm going to instead talk about stuff that I like, stuff that I've seen and stuff that's very fresh in my mind because it's much easier for me to talk at length about it than it is for me to talk about something that I really think you should watch or read or listen to, but that is from a very long time ago. And I want to keep this more of a club too. I want it to be something that you guys can feel more a part of. And I'm going to be addressing that. There's going to be a bunch of changes coming with the new year. One of the biggest, more than likely, is that I am going to very soon be pulling off all of the original episodes, the original 10 episodes, season one of the West Side Fairy Tales. I'm going to be pulling them off the main feed just because they are so dated and they are still the first things that most people listen to when they start the podcast. And the quality overall between even my redux of the urge up to, you know, what, what, what I'm doing now with Scars and Time is very, it's very different. And I don't think it's very representative of the podcast that is available. And I don't want people getting into some of the unreduxed episodes and just saying like, oh man, this just doesn't sound good. You know, this sounds like amateurish. I think season two, I really started to hit my stride quality wise and kind of content wise it's a little bit more direct now all that said i am not going to be removing these things from the internet i'm going to include probably something along the lines of hey you can still find all of these on patreon of course and i think i'm just going to keep them permanently hosted on the website and i'm not going to go and bother taking them down off of youtube because youtube does a much better job of recommending episodes than most people's podcatchers everybody's podcatcher either says most recent episode or first episode. And when the most recent episode is part seven of a 20 part series, (laughs) people tend to go back to the first one. And it's not that I'm not proud of those episodes at all. Like I love them there. I know almost everybody that's listening to this. If you're listening to this, you've probably heard them and you like, but I don't think they're the best foot to put forward anymore. Still going to be available. You'll still be able to go back and listen to them. But instead of starting at The Urge, we will now start at, I believe, So Long Roscoe, which should be episode 201. And that's just uh, a little bit more 
a little bit more my speed. That's a little bit more what I want from the podcast. Yeah, that said, man, thanks for sticking out with me for another year, guys. As some of you may know, the uh, podcast started in like the first week of December 2016. And man, have we come a long way in those four years. I got a crazy job writing for Monstro, which a lot of you love and I will never return to. (laughs) Uh, And there's all sorts of problems that arose from that. I met some pretty crazy, pretty awesome people in the podcasting world. I'm meeting new ones all the time. The kind of momentum for me to start a podcast because I knew I needed to get out of the grind that would have killed me working in warehouses and shit. Donald Trump winning. That has come and gone and is so insane. I mean, obviously, we're going to be seeing fallout from his embarrassment of a presidency for you know, years to come. But, you know, every president leaves their lasting scars on the world. Obama did his evils. George W. Bush did his. They are what they are. But uh, I, think the, I think the fucking old orange man represented a particularly dark time in both America's existence and in my own life. 2016 was really hard. I lost the last journalism job I'd ever have. I mean, I started this episode talking about journalism. I guess I'll end it talking about journalism. That'd be a good, it's a good capstone on four years of four years of the podcast. The next episode is going to come out on January 1st. So it's a new year. It's a new set of experiences shooting down the pipeline. The podcast has entered a new phase that it's not going to retreat from. From now on, it is is music. It is sound effects. I really enjoy it. I have time for it. I have the money for it. Most importantly, you know, I can afford to buy all the equipment I need and all the time that I need to do this sort of stuff and, and put together a product that I think you guys really, really enjoy. And I appreciate it when you guys take your time out to, uh, to say that stuff to me. I hope you're all doing good. I know that this December is rough for people. You don't have money for presents. Very soon, a lot of people are going to be getting kicked out of their houses. They are going to get or have gotten their power turned off. This is all the result of, of ignorance, fear, and greed. There is no other way to say it. That is, that is how we ended up here. There are no other people, no other concepts to blame. This isn't about the, the weakening of the American male or, 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 or we're being too kind to people. This is all because those who have enough want more and those who have even more than them want us to have less. <laughs> I hope that those sort of things can change. In the coming year, I hope that you guys find the strength in your, in your hearts to keep fighting, to, to, to keep struggling on. I hope that my podcast helps you. I hope that my stories, like so many people have said when they write me, have helped you get through the day, get through the week, get through the year. I'll be signing off here soon. And this will be Christmas Day. If you're out there riding around in a truck, a van, a car, 
struggling through your last few appointments. You're about to stop for lunch. You're just thinking about, you know, that warm little pocket of home you've got waiting for you. Hopefully at the end of a long and cold work day, a few more shelves to stock, a few more stops to make. I hope that this day winds up well for you. I hope everything comes out right. And I mean, I I don't have any other gifts to give than that. But hope is its own sort of gift. And uh, I hope it finds you. And I'm not going to end with any any calls to action. I'm just going to end this with a happy holidays to everybody. Happy Hanukkah to my Jewish friends. Happy Kwanzaa to everybody who celebrates that. To all the Christians out there. Merry Christmas to all the capitalists out there. Merry Christmas and to everybody else. My my Muslim friends, I hope you have a good Ramadan when it comes along, a good Eid Mubarak when that comes along. I'm not familiar enough with your calendar. I hope everybody has a good time. And to, to everybody that celebrates Festivus, I hope your challenges go well. May your aluminum pole shine with the glory of of, of, of steely independence <laughs> and uh, for those of you who know truly know the dark shadow that hangs over all of us that creeping horror of the five then I can say only this stay safe out there Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023.
Learn more at westsideferrytales.com slash westbygod.